Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll preview Falcons and Panthers. Embrace the winning while it's lasting, and it's an end of an era for Atlanta United. All next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in the search browser. Hit that subscribe button when you get to our page. Leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five star review. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are available on those platforms as well. Hit us up there. And of course, follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. So we get ready for Falcons and Panthers coming up this weekend. couple of interesting things about this game. Look, the narrative has been all week long with the injuries to the secondary of the Falcons. Who's going to be in? Who's going to be out? I doubt very seriously A.J. Terrell is going to be in. We already know Jalen Hawkins is out. Hayward is on IR. So it's going to be Darren Hall. Probably D. Alford will be back in. So it's going to be a depleted, banged-up, beat-up secondary. Now, I know most people have heard the stats, right? The Falcons have given up the most passing yards in the NFL this year. That is true. They tied for the third most touchdown passes in the NFL this year. The big thing that bothers me, though, is they've given up the highest completion percentage in the league. They're giving up 70.8% completion percentage this year. That's a staggering number. Most quarterbacks, let's be honest, in the league are in that 63 to 70 range. I mean, Mariota's, you know, around 65. Most guys are somewhere in that. For the Falcons to give up that high a percentage of completion, that's where it gets scary, is that teams are going to get chunks of yards, and that leads into the fact that they have the most yard. It's not like they give up a couple of really big plays. They just consistently get beat in the passing game. Now, if you look at what Carolina has done offensively, <coughs> excuse me, they've actually, when they've got P.J. Walker in, they've trended a little bit more toward the running game. So in the first five games of the season, they were averaging 20.6 rushing attempts per game at 89.8 yards a game. So basically about 21 attempts for about 90 yards a game. Last couple of weeks here, you know, that number has started to trend in the up direction as far as the run game goes. 24 rushing attempts, 133 yards a game over the last couple of weeks. So with P.J. Walker, they're trying to get themselves a little bit more balanced because for the year, they're a very unbalanced offense. If you look, 37% run to 63% pass, which is sort of, I don't want to say completely normal, but that's about where a lot of guys, a lot of teams are in the league nowadays. We talked about last week how run, how low of a run percentage the Bengals had. So look, P.J. Walker last week, had the highest grade among all quarterbacks for pro football focus. I've got the feeling that with the depleted defense, they're going to try to take some shots at the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, the funny part is 
Anderson was the guy that they traded away who really was their big yards per attempt guy. Everybody else is sort of a little bit less. It's 10 to 12 yard types of receivers that DJ Moore's and things like that. Guys who don't necessarily stretch the field with big numbers out of all of it, but are very good at catching the football. And again, when you're giving up such a high percentage of, of pass completions, I think they're going to throw it around a little bit. I think that I think that running number, especially with McCaffrey gone, I think that that running number, I think they're going to sway themselves a little bit more toward the pass. So can they stop? Can this secondary come up with enough stops? More importantly is, can they find a turnover or two? Because last week, P.J. Walker didn't have a play that was turnover worthy. So he's playing clean, and that's part of why they've had some success. But remember, he was not good against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, was outstanding last week. Which P.J. Walker we're going to get? We're going to get the XFL version from a couple of weeks ago, or we're going to get the highest graded guy from Pro Football Focus last week? Now, the matchup that I really think is interesting this week is most likely it will be Brian Burns on Caleb McGarry. Now, they only have 10 sacks on the season to the Panthers. He's got half of them being Burns. Burns has half their sack total. He's got five by himself. They only have 10 as a team. So they don't get after the quarterback a lot. But both of these quarterbacks have a high sack percentage. They're both over 10% as far as sacks that they take. But Burns has half their sack total. He's going to probably line up against Caleb McGarry. That's going to be the matchup to watch because Mariota is taking a high percentage of sacks. So when they do throw it, and and I think it will still be limited. I don't think we're going to see him huck it around or anything like that. We'll give you the defensive numbers for the Panthers here in just a minute. But that's the matchup that they have to win. They're not getting after the quarterback. They're not registering a lot of sacks. So I don't expect Mariota on the ground very much. But if you let a guy like Brian Burns go off this week, that's the kind of guy who can completely change the complexion of this game. Look, there's a reason why the Falcons are a favorite in this game. And it has gone from six and a half down to like four. Is because a lot of people said, there's no way the Falcons should be a touchdown favorite over anybody in the NFL. I get the gambling sentiment on all that. But this is absolutely a game the Falcons must win. If you're going to tell me that the Falcons, and we're going to talk about winning here in just a few minutes. If you can tell me that the Falcons are going to be in the mix and how bad the division is or this, that, and the other. Okay, well, that starts this week. That starts with winning your third game in a row at home. That starts with beating a team who isn't as good as you are, a team that is in transition. They fired their coach. They've traded their best offensive player. They talked about trading their best defensive player. And the quarterback that they brought in to start and play has been on IR for the last several weeks. So nothing about the Panthers tells you that just because they won last week, they got clubbed by the Rams the week before. They got drubbed by the Rams the week before. Nothing tells you that there's some kind of great direction that the Panthers are heading. So this becomes sort of must win if we're going to maintain this conversation about where the Falcons can be in this than the other. But you can't let a guy like Brian Burns get off this week because he's the kind of guy who can change up the complexion of the game. Now, from a defensive standpoint, this is always going to be the number to look at for uh, the other team's defense, right? The Panthers have given up the 13th most rushing yards, but they do have the fourth lowest yards per attempt in the run game. So they do give up a decent amount of yards overall, 
but from a yards per attempt, which is always the big stat that you look at, they've done a pretty good job up front. And we know what the Falcons' identity is. Run, 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 run until the cows come home, right? Is there going to be some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game? Hopefully. I don't think that the Falcons are going to do much more than they've done the last couple of weeks. You know, the, the last three weeks, they've only averaged six, 17, excuse me, last three weeks, they've only averaged 17 pass attempts per game. So I expect this thing to be a low-scoring game. That plays in the Falcons' hands. Falcons are at home. That plays into their hands. Carolina is in kind of a real transition. That plays into their hands. Too many things that line up that tell you that, yes, the Falcons have their faults and deficiencies, but this needs to be a game that they win. I think the Falcons win. I think it's a low-scoring game, and I think it's going to be a very pretty game to watch. But in the NFL, and we'll talk about this just a second, a win is a win is a win is a win. I want to talk about my friends over at BetOnline. Listen, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. So they make it as easy as possible. You take the mobile device, pop in BetOnline.net, and when you get there, search through all the information that they have. You want to be smarter about sports wagering? They got podcast news. They got stats. They got e-betting. They got scores for you. They got everything that you need to be smarter, but you can get in on the action at BetOnline. So here's what you do. Head to BetOnline.net today. You want to get involved in the World Series. You believe in the Falcons this weekend. We got college football, Georgia-Florida rivalry coming up this weekend, right? NBA, Hawks are back in action in Detroit to take on the Pistons in the middle of this five-game road set. Everything is available at betonline.net. So go head to betonline.net today. Use that mobile device. Get in on the action. Betonline.net is where the action starts. Now we continue our talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Look, right now, the Falcons sit solely in first place in the NFC South because the Buccaneers stunk it up last night. They actually got off to a good start. The Falcons got off to a 10-0 start in that game. Tom Brady threw for twice as many yards in the first quarter as he'd thrown for any first quarter yardage in any game this year. He just about doubled his number, his, his season high. And they lost, and now the Buccaneers are floundering around. They don't look like the same team. And as crazy as it is to think, this game this weekend between Carolina and Atlanta is for the lead in the NFC South. Now, we talked here weeks ago, because now this is the narrative. Oh, the Falcons, yeah, we talked about that weeks ago, okay? But it does. It does open up. It's San Diego next week, Thursday in Carolina, and then Washington and Chicago and Pittsburgh and all these teams that get mixed up in there. Falcons have a very winnable schedule. But but here's what I'll tell you, okay? Look, are the Falcons going to run off five or six wins in a row? Let me ask you an honest question. Do the Falcons look like a team that is ready to run off five or six wins in a row? I don't think so. I don't think they look like that kind of team. Could they? Hell, it's the NFL, right? Anything's possible in the NFL. But here's what I'll tell you, because I know some people are upset. They, Again, the funniest part is seeing the Arthur Smith should be fired commentary and this, that, and the other, because he won't throw it when they're down three touchdowns. Again. Arthur Smith's had an outstanding start to this season for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, if they if they find a way to win the NFC South this year, I don't care if it's because everybody else sucks. If Arthur Smith finds a way to win the NFC South this year, he's the coach of the year in the NFL. 
Sorry. I mean, he's the coach of the year without question. But here's what's great about the NFL, okay? This is what I love about the NFL. There's no BCS computer to determine things. There's no selection committee to look at your strength of schedule and your RPI and all these things. There's no college football playoff committee, a bunch of nudniks in a room that sit around and debate and have discussions about who should be ranked. There's no Harris poll of old former coaches where their demographic is 80 to dead deciding on who should be in or out. The NFL is, I go to profootballreference.com, I look at the standings and I see what's your W and what's your L, and that tells me everything I need to know. I don't have to guess or think about anything. And I can click on playoff summary and it's got, it'll tell you who ranks who with the tiebreakers because there are tiebreakers in the NFL. Outside of that, you win or you lose. That's what's great about it. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. If everybody else can't win, that's a them problem. But watching the Falcons right now, look, this is a great start for the Falcons. It's not a good start. It's a great start. Three and four after seven games, and and you're winning the division right now? Brother, you take that all day long. So embrace the idea of winning. You know, look, what the national media said, look, Remember, the blue checkmark national media, that's the same guys who tried to tell me that Deshaun Watson would be an Atlanta Falcon, that John Collins was going to get traded, that Arch Manning was going to, you know, Georgia and Alabama. You know, that's the same group of people that were telling you all of those things. What do I say all the time? That it's the Peter King theory, okay? All these nudniks that are up above, they understand the totality of the NFL better than anybody. Peter King understands the NFL better than I do. He has better insight about the Jets, the Chargers, um, the, the Rams, better insight than I do. But I follow and watch and listen, and I'm engaged in the Atlanta Falcons every single day. I hear all the audio. I listen to all the press conferences. I've been to press conferences. I go out to camp. I, I, I get the pulse of this team. I, I, I don't do that for the Jets and the Rams and Jacksonville and everybody else because I live in Atlanta. So I understand what the Falcons are. That I think the Falcons are going to be a two-win team? No. That I think the Falcons are going to be a 10-11 win team? No. I said before the start of the season, I thought they'd be a six-win team. They were seven last year. I predicted they'd be seven last year. They hit right on the number. Do I think the Falcons at this point are going to win more than six games? Yes. How many more are they going to win? I don't know. I don't know that the Falcons are going to be a 10 or 11 win team. But certainly their schedule, the way they're coached, you know, if they get back to playing good defense and they can get everybody healthy, you know, they have their shot to be in contention for this division all year long. Because as we see, Carolina is not very good. The Saints are certainly not very good. The Saints are going to start Andy Dalton for the rest of the year. They have a healthy Jameis Winston and said, "Eh, you know what? I think we're going to start Dalton. We're good. They're going to start Andy Dalton for the rest of the year. The Buccaneers, they're a hot mess. This is the first. I mean, think about how crazy this stat is. This is the first time in Tom Brady's history that he's two games under 500. Two. He's only two games under 500. It's the first time in his career that he's been two games under 500. And they said, you know, the, the worst 
or this is the longest that he's gone being below 500. He's never been below 500 in a season this late in the year. Hell, we're only at week eight. It's not like we're late in the year. We haven't even gotten really, truthfully, to the halfway point. We're not past the halfway point yet, but they're a hot mess. So, look, can the Falcons be competitive? I'm not worried about the rest of the NFC and where they rank or this, that, and the other. Win your division first, right? In these games, directly against your division, and where they get hurt is they already have two losses in the division. Lost to the Saints, lost to the Buccaneers. That's why this game becomes so important because when you start to get into tiebreakers and things like that, first thing that's going to pop up is what's your record within the division. If you start getting into tiebreakers, you have to start figuring out, okay, what's my record in the division? That's why these games right now with Carolina and then, you know, the end of the year with the Buccaneers, you know, in the last four weeks of the season, they're going to play the Saints and Buccaneers to end the year, right? They got, they got in, in their last four games, it's, I think it's Saints, Baltimore, Arizona, Tampa is how the last four games go. So it's going to be important to win these divisional games and finding a way. I hate to say it this way, but find a way to sweep Carolina. You can figure out some things. They lose to the Chargers, this, any other, but you win your divisional games and you stay paced there. So look, I don't know what the Falcons record is going to be at this point because there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde with what they are. If they get down by a couple of scores, you know, I don't know how much they can have the ability to come back, right? You know, as, as much as we rag on Marcus Mariota and things like that, they're really going to be dictated by how good their defense is because Mariota is what he is. And, and I'll continue to say, and people have argued with me about this, I don't think they have as much trust in Mariota. And again, they didn't plan on Mariota to be their quarterback. They thought either Matt Ryan would be here for one more year or Deshaun Watson would be leading this team at quarterback. That was their plan. I can, I can, uh, that I can a thousand percent assure you that was their plan was Watson or Matt Ryan were going to be their quarterback this year, not Marcus Mariota. And then it all fell apart. And this was plan F for the Falcons. So embrace what it is. Enjoy the winning aspect of all of this. It could, it could continue to go and it continues on a four, five, six game winning streak, right? Or, it could come crashing down at any point, like a house of cards, right? Falcons could go 5-0 and in their next six five games. I don't think that that's what they're going to do. They could go 0-5. I don't think they're going to do that either. So just embrace what it is for this year. Before we get too high, too low on everything, we get too much of this going on. Take it week by week and look at the individual matchup. Before we start projecting six more wins for the Falcons and they're nine and five after 14 games, take it week by week because this team is in a situation where with what their roster and what their talent is, you could be great one week, terrible the next, and then be in the middle the following week after that. But it's fun and I'll take first place all day long because I don't care what everybody else is. I care about what the Falcons are and where they stand within their division. All right. Uh, we always ask you to make Locked On Sports Landing your first listen every day. For your second listen, though, I want you to check out Locked On Sports Today. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Locked On Sports Today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcast from. So we got word from my buddy Felipe Cardenas. So I talked to pretty 
regularly on my on my radio show. He covers Atlanta United for The Athletic. Theathletic.com is where you can check out all of his work. And he and I have talked about this idea over the last few months. But we got confirmation that Atlanta United has decided that they are moving on from Joseph Martinez. Now, let's not kind of minimize what Joseph Martinez has been. He will always be, because nobody's going to top Joseph Martinez. He will always be the best and most important player that Atlanta United will ever have in its franchise. You know, it took until Matt Ryan getting here for the Falcons to say that we have the best, most important player in our franchise history. Sorry, that's not Dion. That's not Mike Vick. The most important player in Falcons history is Matt Ryan because that's their only sustained sustained winning and their only sustained success was when Matt Ryan was here. Joseph Martinez is the best, most important, important player. You know, if I can quote a Bret Hartism, he's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. There won't be anybody that replaces Joseph Martinez. But the reality is, is that it's time. And and while you hate to see your star go, the way the direction of this team is headed, okay? Look, Tiago Almada just got voted as the best newcomer of the year in MLS. And with Aruju, and if they get some guy, you know, they're planning on Brad Guzan. I mean, I've talked to Brad Guzan. All reports are he's on track and he'll be back next year. You know, Miles Robinson, you got to get some of these guys back. Injuries certainly played a key role in all this. But Joseph, who's always been a little bit cantankerous to his managers, I think we've kind of gotten to a point that as he's getting a little bit older and he's a little bit more cantankerous, that this relationship is just not going to work out. Remember, he had the suspension for tipping over the table, knocking over the chicken and rice and all this kind of stuff. And he's had his run-ins and issues with Gonzalo Pineda. And Atlanta United has made very clear they are in the business of Gonzalo Pineda. So they're not moving on from him. That's already been established. And while I understand that it's unique that you take away a guy that important to the roster before you have your team president in place, but that should tell you a lot about where they feel this relationship is right now between Joseph Pineda, Carlos Bocanegra, the organization, where they feel that this that this relationship is that rather than wait for a replacement for Darren Eels, they're at a point where, okay, we need to move on. Now you got to work out the logistics of money and sell and, and all this kind of stuff. And then they'll go find themselves another designated player. It doesn't mean that if Atlanta United, if they can get their talent back, that they've, that they've spent most of the year that has been injured. You get Guzan, you get miles Robinson, you get those guys back. They'll have some talent but they're not the same franchise and not the same organization. And I've said this for a year now that I really thought that the Joseph Martinez era was going to come to an end. I mean, there comes a point where between they're having trouble, he's not getting on the field. He's not starting. Okay. We're, he's not always healthy. You know, that's the other thing is that, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't build around Joseph Martinez anymore. You know, if you're going to, you know, the trend of Atlanta United is going down. It's not going up. You know, their their trend is not, their arrow is not in the up direction. Their arrow is in the down direction right now. And so I think it is time to hit a reset. You, you know, Darren Eels has moved on. 
and you're going to get a new team president, whoever that is. I don't think it's going to be Co- uh, Carlos Bocanegra. I don't think they, they look at him for that role, but it's going to, it's going to be a culture change. And they do have guys on this roster that they're going to, they're going to count very heavily on Tiago Almada and Arujo and guys like that. They're going to count on those guys heavily next year. And maybe that will be a good thing. You know, I know this is kind of a crazy example. Remember when the Washington Nationals moved on from Bryce Harper, that they ended up not signing Harper and he signed the massive contract in Philadelphia. What did the Nationals do the next year? Nationals won the World Series, didn't they? They lost their best player. They lost, with all due respect to Washington, they lost their best player in history. And with all due respect to Juan Soto, who's not even there now, the best player in Washington Nationals history, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever been, is Bryce Harper. Number one overall draft pick, the babe, the boy, MVP for the Nationals, one of the great players. He might not statistically have all the records when all is said and done in Nationals history, but he's the most important player they had. And they moved on from him. Whether they wanted to or not, they moved on from Bryce Harper. And what happened? They won the World Series. Not because Bryce Harper was a cancer or anything like that, but just sometimes when you lose a guy like that, you rally around. What happened to the University of Tennessee after they lost Peyton Manning, one of the winningest quarterbacks in in program history? The babe, the boy. A lot of people still argue about should he have won the Heisman. Now he shouldn't have won the Heisman. Charles Woodson deserved the Heisman that year, but we'll get in that discussion, right? 0-4 against the Gators. Go Gators, right? But Peyton Manning, one of the great quarterbacks in SEC history, program history, what happened? Next year after he left, T. Martin comes in. They win the national title in 98 when there was a BCS computer that determined who would play and not play. So, look, it sucks to lose a guy like Joseph Martinez. It sucks to have the best player in franchise history move on. But this was time. This was the time to do it. The relationship is soured. It's time to hit a bit of a reset button. You know, it's time to recalibrate, reconfigure how you're going to play, what this roster is, who are we building around. And I just don't think that that is Joseph Martinez anymore. Now, he may go on and have more success than we've ever seen for any player in MLS. He may go on and win 15 more MLS Cups. But for where this franchise is and for what this organization wants to do and who they believe in as far as their head coach and not kowtowing or acquiescing to what Joseph Martinez wants and his role, I think this is the right decision for Atlanta United. It sucks, but sometimes it's just rip the Band-Aid off and move on from there. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck your first listen every day. Don't forget, make Locked On Sports today your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. They are available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, you can find Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey. Check us out on those platforms. Leave us a five-star review. Don't forget Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, I said both those words. Roku and Amazon Fire. You can find us there as well. And of course, give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. 
We will regroup on Monday. We'll take a look back at what Falcons and Panthers did. Plus, we'll take a look at what the Hawks do as they continue on the road, starting again, second game, back-to-back against Detroit. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta.